Praise God. You may be seated. And instead of greeting someone around you, just give them an awkward smile. Like, hey, from we're practicing social distancing today. And if you're an introvert, man, you're like, yes, God. Yes, today is that day. Um, so you could just give them an awkward smile. Like, uh, hey, you know, cruz, cruz. You know, like, hey, what's up? Uh, so one of those, you know, like, hey, you know. Um, I, obviously, you know, thank you guys for coming and joining us today. Um, if you've obviously you've had maybe a TV or, um, or turned on your phone, um, I, I'm not going to shy that this week has been just an interesting week for majority of the world, including us here um, in our city today. Um, it was devastating just to hear um, that we had a great loss um, earlier this week with the rodeo being canceled. Um, so, uh, but uh, I'm trying to make light of, of just, you know, it's been a grim week. I, I, I've wanted to turn off my phone several times because it's just always um, just a lot of diff- different um, things going on. If you didn't know, we've been living under a rock the last couple um, days, you know, the, just the coronavirus and everything that's happening, COVID-19, um, just this outbreak all around the world um, is happening. Uh, several churches, um, I have friends of mine across the country, uh, several churches could not have service even today because their state had made a mandate um, that there was no assemblies of any kind, of any size whatsoever. So I have friends that are doing church online or churches that are much bigger than ours. Um, our church, we prayed and we, we looked at, you know, I've been monitoring what the, what the, what the state, local officials are saying. And um, they had recommended assemblies of 250 or less. Obviously, we're a little bit less than that. I mean, or 250, 250 people or more um, not to have assembly. And obviously, we're a little bit less than that. And so, you know, we decided let's uh, disinfect and let's do our best to, um, you know, be distant. We have hand sanitizer. We have plenty of, uh, of that lying around as well. So don't steal it after service. Uh, we do. And um, we do have a couple of bottles of water if you want to take home as well. Um, so you don't have to fight over anybody. And um, I do have an announcement on behalf of the YMCA. Don't steal toilet paper either. So um, I, I, I don't know. They just told me to announce that. I don't know. Just They thought, you know, we were going to steal uh, toilet paper here. I don't know. But um, just kidding. They didn't really say that. No, but but uh, <laughs> you're like, man, they, dang, what do, they, what do they think about us now? But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to see what's happening in the world um, today. I'm going to put the slide up. And it's last night I, I took a screenshot on my computer of, of an accurate map of what's happening in the world. All the, all the areas covered in red are places that are currently uh, infected, and you can see some areas are larger than others. Obviously, China, Asia, uh, parts of Europe, um, even into the U.S. Over 156,000 people across the world have been infected by this virus, um, with with 5,800 deaths happening as of last night. Not including what might have happened today, but praise God that 72,000 people have recovered. And are still going to recover from this. And, and I believe that even, even through all this, that people are, whatever the news might tell you, and I'm not a news reporter, I'm not a health person, but I could tell you this, that God is still on the throne, that God is still in control, that God, we don't have to live fearful, but we can be faithful because God is faithful to the very end. And, and no matter how, what virus, the person who owns the crown, the corona, it's Jesus. Jesus Christ, that's the one who is on the throne today. So today we have, we, we have 
faith and not fear. And I really believe over the last several weeks um, that, that God was speaking to us and getting us ready. If you've been following with us either online or, or through podcasts or coming to service, um, let me just recap the last few weeks. Three weeks ago, I spoke a message called Faith Over Fear. And that's a, that's, that's a, a message that we need to hear again even t- now today where Jesus was with his disciples in a boat and they were fearful of what was to happen. And I've talked about the Jesus that is human with us, the, the same Jesus who sleeps in the boat is the same Jesus who stills the waters. And, and I, I believe, and he said, just have faith, he tells his disciples that. Two weeks ago, we spoke about a title, uh, a sermon titled, Look at What God Can Do. Talking about Jesus healing a demoniac, a man that was trying to kill himself, and, and he could not be sustained by chains. And people were surprised at what God can do. Isn't it incredible that we're going to look at people that are on their deathbed about to die, and we're going to see this through it in the next couple weeks, and we're going to say, look at what God can do. That person was near death. That person was about to die, but God changed their life around and was able to help them and heal them because I believe in a God who still heals. I believe in a God that still overcomes and God that still helps us today. Last week, we studied two different miracles. Uh, one miracle about of a young girl, Jairus' daughter, who was raised from the dead. And we spoke about another woman with an issue of blood and how Jesus spoke to the people and to Jairus, and he said these words, just believe. That was the title of the sermon. If you want to go back, you can hear back any of these sermons. But it was just the word, just believe. And I believe that's a time, that's a word even for us even right now, that God's been preparing to increase our faith. And if we don't have faith in God right now, when can we have faith? It's now or never. And in these moments of crisis, we have faith. And and I'm inviting you to just believe that God is going to get us through through this. And the same God who resurrected a young girl is the same. God that can help us today and the same God that healed a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years I don't care how long God has put us through the situation God is faithful to us if we just believe 2 Timothy 1.7 says it like this, for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self control I think there's a lot of fearful people around the world. I mean, you just look around, you see videos of people fighting over toilet paper, water, bottled water. I mean, people are going crazy. People are fearful because of what they believe on social media. What they, and I'm not denying that there is a, a, a catastrophic event happening right now. But this is not the time to be fearful. This is the time to have faith in God. That God can and he will help us. And even if he doesn't, he is still faithful to us. This is a moment where we come. Uh, the, the president of the United States, a couple of days ago, he declared a, a state of emergency across the nation. And today I, I want to entitle this message, A State of Emergency. A State of Emergency. He declared today would be a national day of prayer. And I want to get through this word that I think will encourage but also stir our hearts as well. That, that, that in a state of emergency, this is the moment where we come back to God and we get close to God. 
many people take moments like this and they, they panic or they use it as moments to, to get, get scared and fr frightful for what's happening. But this is a moment for us to come close to God. I want us to turn to the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2. Uh, Joel chapter 2 is one of my favorite chapters of, out of the entire Bible. It's quoted in different parts of Scripture. It's quoted in Acts where Jesus is, um, or Peter, he, he, he quotes Joel chapter 2 where he talks about in the last days he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And, I, and, and, and this, is where, this is where that comes from or how Jesus will restore, I mean, the, how Jesus will restore to you um, everything that the locust has taken away from you. And this is what's happening even in Joel chapter 2. In Joel chapter 2, let me set the stage. Um, Joel, 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 even the word mean, means, uh, his name means Yahweh is God. Um, it, it was written by Joel. It's the prophet Joel. And what prophets in this time um, period in the Old Testament, what, uh, 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 the gift of prophecy was to do two things. To foretell and foretell. I didn't say the same word twice, okay. Foretell and foretell. Foretells that they would kind of share what is to come. Before tell, they're proclaiming the, the status of the hour at hand. They're proclaiming what's happening in the exact moment. And what Joel is talking about is the day of the Lord, which is the most, one of the most dominant themes in all of the book of Joel, is the day of the Lord. Can I tell you, the day of the Lord is now. This is God's time even now. And he's calling inhabitants, and Joel calls inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. He's calling to lament and return to the Lord during this time of national calamity. This is a moment of crisis as well. He's speaking straight to them. He says, this is what God is saying to people. And he's saying that to the church even today. It's a national calamity. People are going crazy because of famine, because of what's to come, because of locusts eating stuff, all their food. And they're wondering what to do. See, people out there today are wondering the exact same thing. Us as Christians, we have our faith in God. But there's a whole world out there that's nervous and fearful. They don't even want to step outside their house. Now, today I want to talk about it. So let me, let, we'll, we'll talk about four different things today. Number one, um, I, we're going to start in verse, verse 12. It says, even now, declares the Lord. Even now, declares the Lord. The Lord it says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. I want to tell you four things today that God is looking for. Number one, God is looking for a return. He's looking for a return. This is not a moment to get weak, church. This is not a moment to walk away from God. This is a moment in the moments of like this in history, in moments of hurricanes that we've lived through, in moments of financial crisis that you might have lived through, in moments of, of hurt. Maybe there's pain. Maybe there's other circumstances that are happening in your family or sickness or illness. What, whatever it is, this is a moment where we draw near to God because God has never left us. He says, come to me even now. 
return to me. He's asking for a heart that's coming to him in repentance. And many times, a lot of times, we think we can do it all our own. And we forget about God and we remove God out of the equation because we believe what everyone else is telling us. But this is the moment where the church has to rise up and we return to God with fasting, weeping, and mourning. I'm going to break those three things down. Fasting, it's a moment where you sacrifice what you have, what you like, in order to give God the time. And this is the moment we come before God. I'm declaring from now until this is over that we fast and we pray as a people of God. Find time this week to seek God for those that are he- that need healing, for those that have been infected, those that are going through crisis, those that are in panic, those that are nervous, that we will fast. And it says weeping and mourning. Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, he says, blessed are those, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But what Jesus is referring to in that situation, he's talking about, he's introducing the kingdom of God. And he's speaking to the people, he says, blessed are those who mourn. And when he talks about blessed are those who mourn, he's talking about mourning for our, our sin, our sinful nature of who we are, for they will be comforted. This is a time where if, if people are needing comfort, if we mourn and we cry and pour ourselves out to God, I believe that the God of all comfort will comfort the brokenhearted, the person that is messed up, the person that is fearful, the person that is nerf, nervous, the person that's on edge, the person that doesn't want anything to do with anyone right now and wants to lock themselves away. That person, if they come before God, God will bring them comfort. And it's up to us as well to come before God and seek that comfort. With weeping, when was the last time you cried before God? When was the last time you came before God and said, God, here I am. Here I am. I don't know the solution. I don't know what tomorrow brings. Can I tell you, every single day this week, one thing after another, after another, after another, has happened and has occurred, and we have no clue. We have had no clue what was going to happen. And, and, and the only thing I told my wife, she, my wife was like, what do you think? I said, I don't know. Well, what do you think? I don't know. What are we going to do? I don't know. We'll just take this one day at a time. I know that God is in control, and we'll just take this one day at a time. Because I know my God is faithful. He's looking for a return. He keeps on reading, reading Joel chapter 2. It says, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. You might want to highlight that. He relents from sending calamity. He, he, he loves us. Know that God loves us, that God, he cares about us. And he doesn't want to destroy us or defeat us. He's not trying to send things our ways. But what he wants is to grab our attention today. And I think God uses these moments in history to grab our attention. And it's up to us to understand which way are we going to respond. Number two, God is looking for a rendered heart. He says, rend your heart and not your garments. What would happen in this occasion? In this time period is that when people experience a loved one pass away, they would begin to tear their clothes like, ah, like, you know, just like you know, rip their clothes off like that. Like, just, you know, my, my son has died. My mom has died. Like, that's how it was. Like, ah, like just, just that's how they were. It's just like the movies. It's just like Superman just ripping his clothes off. And, 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 and to illustrate this, they would, they would literally cut their clothes up as well. And they would have grave clothes or dead clothes. And that's the way they, they, the people knew that they were mourning because of their grave clothes. And, and it's rending and tearing apart the outside. 
But what God is saying is, like, I, I'm not so preoccupied about the outside. What I want is something on the inside. If I, I want something not broken on the outside, I don't want something torn apart on the outside. But what I want is something on the inside to be changed. He says, rend your heart and not your garments. God is looking for a rendered heart today. He's looking for people that are willing to give their entire heart. And he says, not just a portion of your heart, not just half of your heart, not just a small bit of your heart, but I want all of your hearts. See, this is a moment where we have to wake up as a church and we have to understand that there's people that still need Jesus. People still need love. People still need encouragement. And it's time for us to give our heart to God. And if this is a moment for us to wake up so that we don't live in fear, this is a moment where we come before God. We rend our hearts, not our garment. It says, it says, return to the Lord of God for he's gracious and compassionate. How many are grateful for compassion and gracious God? Our gracious God is compassionate. He relents in, in, in sending calamity to us. He wants us to, 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 to come to him. He wants us to, to abide in him. He wants us to live with him and walk with him. He's looking for rendered hearts today. Many of us don't want to dissect our hearts or let God dissect our hearts and reveal things in our hearts that need Jesus. Some of us want to just look out for our own self in the times like this. I'm like, well, no, no, I'm just going to worry about my own family, my own people. And there's nothing wrong with taking care of your own. But at the same time, as a church, we shouldn't stop worrying about our neighbors and start coming together and the church be the church. See, the church is not in the four walls. The church is beyond these four walls. One thing I put on Facebook is that, you know, I, I know there's friends of mine that canceled service, and I love them, and, 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 and everybody has different opinions, and every situation is different. Every county is different. Every state is different. And every, everyone's going to be different in the way they handle this thing. And God bless every single way they handle it. And, and thank God for the technologies and the creativities that we have today to stream things online. Many people are watching even online right now. But here's one thing we shouldn't forget. If we cancel service, and let's say next week something happens and we must cancel service, let us never cancel church. And do you know what I mean by that? Because we can cancel a service, but we never stop being the church. The reality is we have to continue being the church no matter what because the church is you and I. It's not here in this building. It's not here in this place. The church is us as a people of God, loving other people, caring for the people, and preaching the good news of Jesus to others as well. We can cancel service, but let us never cancel church because we are the church. He keeps on saying, he says, who knows, he may turn and relent. And leave behind a blessing. Grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Verse 16. Bring together the elders. Gather the children. Those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room. And the bride her chamber. Jesus is asking us, God is calling us right now. Number three, God is looking for a remnant. He says, gather the people. Blow the trumpet. They would blow trumpets to gather people together as well. They would make an announcement. Our modern day trumpet is sending out a tweet or a Facebook post. We're coming out together and we, God is calling for a remnant. If you don't know what that word remnant is, think of the word remainder. The remainder of what's left over. A remnant is a small 
portion of an entire group. And what God is calling is says, call the assembly together. He says, bring them all together. Declare a holy fast. This is a moment to be sanctified, church. This is a moment to come before God and, and, and call a sacred assembly. He's not just talking about any assembly. He's not just talking about an assembly of God. He's talking about a sacred assembly. Where The word sacred means when we come sanctifying ourselves, we come in it with a pure hands and pure heart. We don't just come and we wash our hands physically, church. No, God is talking about washing your hands spiritually today, washing your heart spiritually, and asking God to reveal the things in ourselves that do not bear fruit so that we can change them and get ready for the season that's to come. It says, gather the people, consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. What does that even mean? And you're like, well, what does that mean? Gather the elders. Bring together the children. Can I tell you what God wants to do in this church and in this city and the community in the world today? He wants to bring revival. And it's not just about one group of people. It's not just about what, what your grandparents saw or your parents saw. Or it's not just about the children or the youth. It's about a combination of everybody coming together and unity. To celebrate and to call together. It's an assembly of people that are coming together of all ages, of all types, of all genders, of all races. That we would come together and serve one another and seek the face of God. It says, let the bridegroom leave, leave his room and the bride her chamber. There's not a time for a honeymoon. You set aside some things that you want for the things of what God wants. He wants a remnant. Lastly. It says, let the priest who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Another translation would see between the porch and altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make an inheritance, an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Finally, God is looking for number four. He's looking for a response. He's looking for to see how we are going to respond today. He says, let the priest who minister before the Lord weep. Weep. See, the Bible tells us and describes to us in the New Testament that we're a kingdom of priests. Each and every one of us here, when God sets us free and changes our life, he gives us that priestly authority, that access to the presence of God. We're the access to God for other people that do not know Jesus. In our schools, in our communities, in our homes, everywhere we go, we are the representation of Christ to them. It says the priests, let them weep between the porch and the altar. See, what would happen in this time in the Old Testament, this is Old Testament, Old Covenant, what would happen in the time is that every, yearly that the priest would take a slaughtered lamb, or he would take a lamb that was pure, blameless. You know, some of you know this. He, he would take this lamb and he would lay it at the altar. But the porch or the portico is the entrance, you know, the, the, where people enter. You have a front porch. Some of you have that at your house. You have a front porch to the altar. And he's walking from, from, the, from the very back to the inside to come into the Holy of Holies to the altar, which only the priest could come in. And he would come and he would, he would intercede for the people and would carry the, the weight of the people's sins on this lamb. See, what the priest would do, he would come in and he would stand in the gap. You know what the word intercession means? Anybody? 
A lot of people think intercession is prayer because we put that together, prayer and intercession. When we intercede for someone, it's a little different from just praying for someone. And I think God is calling us to intercede for the next few moments for our community, for our city. Because when we intercede, you can, I, I love to study words, you can divide that word into two. Enter and seed. So when we enter, you think about entering to, into something, you're getting into something. And when you seed, you, you're ceasing or stopping something from happening. You're entering, enter, seeding. You're stopping. You're getting into something so that you can stop something from happening. You're standing in the gap and you're stopping. Like, kind of like how Jesus did when the woman was about to be stoned. He stopped and he interceded. The Bible tells us that Jesus, even, even so, he intercedes to the Father on behalf of us to stop the judgment that God wants to send to us. That's why we have Jesus. At the same time, Jesus calls us to do the same. We intercede. We get in the middle of something. When we intercede, it's more beyond prayer. It's we get into the middle of someone's situation, and we say, well, 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 they have problems, and I have problems. Let me just worry about my own. No, no. But when we intercede for something, we get into the middle of their situation, into the middle of their problems. When we see a person frustrated, when we see a person fearful, nervous, and anxiety, and depression, when we see it, we get in the middle of their situation and we pray on their behalf and their feelings are our feelings. Their pain is our pain. Their hurt is our hurt. We feel with them. We rejoice with them. We walk with them. And I feel that this is the calling of what the church needs to do is to intercede, is to step in the gap to be this for the community, for everyone around us because now is the time for the church to respond. To get in the middle. Let him weep between the porch and altar. So let's go back to the priest. He would weep. I imagine he would carry the slaughtered lamb. This lamb he was about to slaughter. And it's just putting my own imagination to this. He would do this on behalf of the sins of the entire community once a year. People couldn't do this for themselves. They needed a priest in this time. Old covenant. He brings it, and I can imagine that, that, the, that the, the weight of the lamb got heavier and heavier as he walked down to the altar. The closer he got to the altar, he could feel the weight of the heaviness of this lamb. The burdens of other people. The sins of other people. And this is what God is calling us to do today, is that we as a church, this is the perfect opportunity for the church to be the church in these next couple weeks. As you go to the grocery store and see people fighting over, over toilet paper, or fighting over water, people going crazy in the parking lot, go, people going crazy over food. And what's to happen on Facebook when people are posting stuff? This is where you can be positive and you can be the light in the darkness. You can be the person that can walk with them and the burden that they carry, you carry that on yourself. It's not about Everybody to themselves. Everybody watch out for their own family. No, it's the church that's going to watch out and look out for the people that need Jesus. That priest would carry the weights of everyone. God is looking for people that will weep and carry the weight of other people. And he says this. Why should the people, why should the nation say, where's their God? I really believe that's exactly what people are asking right now. Where is God? Where is your God? Where is your faith today? I really believe that's what people are looking at. And they're looking at, where is their God? Can I tell you? 
we respond as a church to pray, to look for God, to seek him, but then to respond to things. There are things happening in your community that you can help in. There are things that are happening around you that you can help in. There are, there are situations happening. That maybe some of you are hoarding a bunch of stuff. Maybe you're starting to give giving some of that away. You know? There's some things you could probably start doing even now. But this is the moment for the church to respond, to act, to react to what's happening. This is the moment. And if we're not careful, we will miss out on the greatest revival that God wants to do in the midst of all this. In the midst of crisis, in the midst of chaos. I don't want people to say, where's their God? I want people to see that God is on the throne and that God is in control and that God is all powerful and that God is sovereign and God is, 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 is wonderful and God is faithful in the midst of everything. I want people to see that God is still God. I want to see the people to see that God is still resurrected, that God is still on the throne, that God is still coming back for his church and it's time to wake up. This is a time not to be fearful. This is a time to come before God. I want to say this, the church doesn't stop being the church when there is no service. In fact, it's when the church leaves the building is when the church truly becomes the church. Imagine us. I don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks, whether, you know, what, what will happen, what the state will recommend. We're just taking this one day at a time. We're going to take it one moment at a time. We're, we're, you're going to hear from us. You might get a text from us, a message, or see us on Facebook. We're going to take it one day at a time. But if we cancel service, I guarantee you we will never cancel church because we are the church. The church is not the building where they meet here. We meet at someone's house. If, if they shut us down here and we have to relocate somewhere else, it, it, we're still the church. We're still the people of God seeking after him, and we're still that church. We're still him. Philippians 4, 4 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Anybody believe that this morning? Do not be anxious. How many are anxious right now? You can be real. There's a lot of people that are anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. But in everything. Don't be anxious in anything. No, you didn't say be anxious in something. No, no, no. Don't be anxious about anything. But he says, but in everything, covering everything, every little part, every little item, every little virus, every, every other little symptom, every other situation. I don't care. Maybe it's a financial situation that's going to happen, that's about to happen. You're like, man, I'm going to be off work the next few weeks. I don't know what's going to happen. How, how am I going to pay bills? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. Some of you are like, man, your kids are out of school. You're like, man, I got to watch my own kids now for the next couple weeks. And everything. By prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be known, made known to God in everything. By prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. I'm going to ask you to do three things in the next couple of weeks. Number one, I want a church that knows how to pray. I want a church that knows how to encourage. Number two. 
And then I want a church that knows how to love. This is a time where we come before God, where we return to him. And this is a time where people are going to wake up and see that God is real in them because they're going to see God move in this. That God is moving in this nation. He's moving across the world. And we just have to believe. If you just believe in what God can do out of this, there is no disease. There is no cancer. There is no coronavirus. There is no diabetes. There is no financial struggle that is greater than my God. Because then we are in a state of emergency. My God is still there. He's still faithful. Anybody agree with me today? I believe that God is still here and he's still available to us. And he's still making it. A friend of mine put it like this today. He said, our church has been sanctified. Our staff, or he said it like this. Let me repeat it again. Our church has been sanitized. Our staff has been sanctified. We don't have to be terrified because our Savior was crucified. Today his name will be magnified and his body will be edified. If you believe that, won't you declare with me today that God is still in control. And I want us to pray and really seek the face of God. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. I want to invite you to come to this altar. I want us to weep between the porch and the altar today. In moments of crisis, this is the moment of seeking. I want to come before God. I want to fall to my knees before God. If you want to come to the altar, if you want to come to your knees, if you want to raise your hands, if you want to stand, if you want to weep, if you want to come, come before God, if you need prayer, if you, if you feel anxious through this, there is no fear that, that God can't control. God is in control of everything right now. I want us to come before him today. I want us to seek him. I want us to find him. If you need prayer today, I want to pray with you. I want to invite you just to come. I want, you, I want us as a church to just come. Come before him. Close your eyes with me. I invite you today. Many times we fear the unknown. We fear what's ahead. But this is a moment where we draw near to God. This is a moment where we come before him and say, God, you're in control. God, you still heal. God, you still make things happen. God, you still intervene. God, you still come in right now, God. God, you still make things happen. God, you still make a way where there is no way. God, you still provide. God, you still supply every need. God, you come before, we come before you. God, we come in humble repentance. We come before you, Lord, right now. We come before you seeking your face, God. Come before you, Lord, right now. Just lift up your hands and lift up your voices and say, God, I want you now. I need you. Some of you might need to get on your knees. Some of you need to weep. Some of you might need to start fasting the next couple days. But do not let go of God this next couple days, these next couple weeks, these next couple months. 
just lift up your hands and seek God. If you're watching online, seek God right there where you're at. The power.